You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. Happy to be with you here today. I'm Leanne Dolan, back in the Wondery Sunset Studios. Liz, I'm happy to see your smiling face. <laughs> well, welcome back, Leanne. Thank I'm, you. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I'm still struggling a little bit with the transition to standard time, frankly. Oh. So it's just, I hate this time of year, but whatever. It's like you get the extra hour on Sunday morning, and then you really pay for it. It's... It's true. It's true. Julie, what's happening there in Big D? This is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I'm in Dallas, Texas. And yes, I do think it is the one topic that brings the world together. We all hate this time zone change, right? Okay, that's it. I still don't understand the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, that's that's that may be my whole platform running for president. And I believe I could win. It seems like an old idea that people are just too lazy to change. Like, I, I don't understand. It just carries forth and everyone hates it. Yeah. Yeah. It just makes no sense. I went to bed last night at like 730, you know, and I know that <laughs> I know I know I'm not the only one. You just you and those poor and the poor animals. OK, they don't get it at all. Right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, I got a wake up call from Julie at, at uh, 4 a.m. today. Three, I didn't I didn't know you were going to mention the butt dial. Three but butt it dials. was only because you had butt dialed me, little sister. Yes. At 1126. Yes. So as I was walking this morning, something happened. Yeah. Okay. So it's all Apple's fault because they, <laughs> they've changed everything on the phone. Okay. Can we blame it on Apple rather yep. than me? Yes. Okay. Yes, we can. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Liz, we had some shockers in the f- opening segment. Yes. Julie, you baked, and Liz went to a big-time college football game. So <laughs> yeah. if you thought the time change was crazy, <laughs> stay tuned for those two, two stories. Two things you would not have expected from <laughs> uh-huh. us. Uh-huh. All right, Julie, you're bringing us a couple of news stories, one about brainwaves and aging that has right. a super mad... We're yeah, so you're going to be you're going to be furious about this. And then we're also I believe this is the first time ever on Satellite Sisters. We're talking about artificial intelligence. So <laughs> buckle up, because yeah. you know, we're going to get it wrong. But we're going to be talking about it today. All right. Uh, and then I, I'm bringing it for the kids because America has a refing shortage and it's because we're all horrible people. Yes. So, well, parents, <laughs> parents, right? That's true. Parents are ruining it for the kids. More I, proof. I also, Liz, I think godparents and aunts and uncles could also, I think it's people who don't know the rules. They're um. all awful. <laughs> and then also best time of year to, to make airline reservations for your college kids coming uh-huh. home for the holidays. Uh, uh-huh. good now news, is good oh, news no. and bad news oh, okay <laughs> about that and then of course we have entertaining sisters uh coming up but julie let's start with the shocking news that you baked something for your I family baked. did you hear that verb that <laughs> that i used okay and let me tell you the story you know how we say on satellite sisters we say that not every conversation can change your life but any conversation can well, I think that's not that's exactly really the way we say it. Pretty close, but it's close <laughs> enough. Yeah, we got you got the gist of it. <laughs> not every not, not every, every conversation, conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. 
All right. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Okay. okay. But something did. So go for it. <laughs> something did. Okay. Uh, when I was in Pasadena, Leanne and I um, were we were relaxing one afternoon, and uh, we watched the Great British Bake Off uh, show, which is fabulous. We love it. And as part of the show, Leanne just made a sort of an you know inadvertent comment that she had a caterer friend who uh, who said that the frozen puff pastry at Trader Joe's is nearly as good as, you know, any pa- um, pastry that you could make by hand. Okay. Uh, yes. That was one little nugget. Put that in your head. Combine that, Liz, with the conversation we had last week with Laura Holson from the New York Times mm-hmm. about creativity and bringing more creativity into your life. Yes. And she was talking about dancing and painting, even singing. Uh, but she wasn't talking about baking, but somehow baking got into my my head and uh-huh. I was having my family over for Saturday night and I said to myself I said I am going to get me some of that because that's how we talk here in Texas I'm going to get me some some of that frozen puff pastry from Trader Joe's and I am going to make Ina Garden's barefoot contessas the French apple tart and wow. that's what I did. Okay, I have to tell you, so, I mean, it is, it's not really baking, and I know we have so many wonderful listeners that are are genuine, truly wonderful bakers. I realize that. Slapping some, uh, slapping some puff pastry <laughs> on a sheet pan. Own it. Throw, no, you don't sell yourself short, some apples Joy. on top of it is not baking. I know that. Okay, but... You, you know, when you say baking to me, you might as well say, you know, tap dancing or singing or painting or skydiving. I mean, it is foreign territory, but I was going there. I watched the video. I made these puff pastries. I, the reaction from my family was hilarious. My daughter-in-law was like, you made those? You made those? Because <laughs> because they she knows I am not the baking yeah. nana. Okay. That is not my thing. Okay. And, uh, they were delicious, and they're so easy to make. Uh, at the end of the meal, at the dessert, my grandson, Ben, he gave me a handshake, Leon. Oh, wow, just like the Great British Baking Show. Yes. Yeah. Is yes. that what they do he at the end of the show? Yes. Liz, that is the ultimate compliment. Uh, <laughs> That's cute. That's funny, because they're fans of the show, the grandkids. That's yes, really cute. Yeah. Okay. Julie, now you have a signature dish. That's it. You don't have That's to explore. I mean, Just... Coming to my house, you're going to have this. But I, it, it was way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. It was slightly thrilling and exhilarating uh, <laughs> that it actually worked. Uh, Liz, I believe you could do this recipe. Okay. Really? It is that easy. Okay. It's and, that um, easy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to, I think that Trader Joe's puff pastry and the pie dough is also seasonal. So that's what she also said the caterers stock up because it, they don't have it year round. Oh, okay. Just an FYI. Okay. Okay. Good tip, Leah. <laughs> yeah, I better go service, get service Here's journalism. Here's what I do I buy it, and then I literally just threw out the pie crust from last year. I threw it out last week. I was like, well, I guess I'm never making a pie. <laughs> But you could make this. Now, I mean, uh, I, a Barefoot Contessa's recipe calls for, uh, you know, three tablespoons of Calvados. I, I skipped that. I use water, which she said I could, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, as part of the glazing process. I had glaze <laughs> wow. on my, on my um, tarts. Yeah, Joy. so all very exciting, very exhilarating. Liz and Leanne, I think, see these conversations, you never know what, what it's going to spark. 
but it did give me a great sense of satisfaction, the slight exhilaration uh, to try, you know, to do something that I don't normally do. do. Okay. All right. Well, as Leah noted at the top of the show, I also this weekend did something I don't normally do. I went to a big time college football game and it was completely by accident. I mean, there was a plan, but it's not like I was driven to do this. The circumstances were that I had friends visiting from Oregon and it turns out that this weekend was the Oregon USC football game. And another friend of ours uh, has USC season tickets, even though he lives in New York, and who knows if he ever comes. Anyway, he's an actual USC graduate. Anyway, so we decided, because one of my friends from Oregon, see, this gets complicated, her brother is a USC parent and was going to be there that weekend, that we would all go together and it would all be fun. So for me, the football part of it was sort of beside the point. Or I thought it was until I went to the game. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't actually say those words out loud, did you? Just... So, so here's what we did, Julie. So we went down. So we were we we were meeting her brother down on campus. Of course, we were instructed to meet at Tommy Trojan. But and I actually knew where Tommy Trojan was because the one time a year I go to USC is for the LA Times Festival of Books. Right. So I know a lot of. I knew I knew how to find Tommy Trojan. But we got there. Super early, of course, because there was this panic about the parking, right? Right. Par- parking at a big time football game, and that USC plays at the Memorial Coliseum, so the big, beautiful stadium. So we get there, we meet a Tommy Trojan, and the first shock to me is this whole family weekend, like college family weekend <laughs> thing. It was insane how many people were there. Is that I mean, I don't I don't have kids, so I don't I haven't done the like parents family weekend at college thing. Do all colleges do this now? Because I don't recall yes, this yes, in our Liz. era. This yes, is a thing because, now. Yes, they're because the parents in many cases are writing a check or part of the check uh, for for the tuition as uh-huh. well. They're all future donors, Liz. That's what. <laughs> oh, you I see. Look. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. The schools that my sons go to, no parents week. Okay. We spent 12 minutes on campus at Art Center. It's an art (laughs) school. No football, no nothing. Okay. And then four years later, we went back uh, to watch him graduate. (laughs) And then my other son at the Hippie Evergreen. No, there's no parents weekend there. Really? They don't have it? No. No. Again, it's a state school. I think they assume, like, people are working hard to get their kids there. So, no, they don't. Or you can come whenever you want. Yeah, Yeah, whatever you want. But, nope. Well, so I've never experienced it. I get okay. jealous when I see other people, but... Well, next year you can just go to the USC Family Weekend if you want to, Leah. Nope. I know that you don't... Yeah. <laughs> nope. Not your I know this is not the point of the story, but what were you wearing, Liz? Because <laughs> I, we talked about that last week, I and know. I was very worried about you that you were not going to be no, in I, some kind of school colors. Yeah. I just did not believe I should be in school colors for, well, not for USC. Why would I Why would I do that? So that's even though I knew I was sitting in the USC section. And later on, I did buy a little duck's um, necklace, Julie. So I wore, <laughs> I wore it. She committed. <laughs> I, can, I can send you a photo subtle. of that. But wait, so, so the family weekend thing, that came as a shock to me, yeah. but everyone else in the world already knows this. So here's the other thing that I'm sure... Everyone else in the world already knew, but I did not know because the last time I went to a football game was my freshman year in college. Um, (laughs) Apparently, tailgating no longer involves actual tailgates. This is, I had assumed it all still, I was like, how do they fit all this in the parking lot? Because the, like back in the day, you, you're, 
your dinner or whatever was on the tailgate. Now the entire USC campus and the whole area around the Memorial Coliseum was full of people with these hugely elaborate setups. Oh, which, yes, which, which I, I so did you have that? At, well, Julie, you were at Penn State for your graduate. Penn State degrees. for grad school. Yeah. Yes, Liz, it is. It is big time there. Big time. Yeah, you got to get the big TV screens. You yes. got the tents. You got yes. the smokers. You got the cooker. Oh yeah, you got to go all in. You got so, the giant RVs. Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. That's so, a, it's a lifestyle, Liz. I'm not saying I discovered something that is <laughs> no. new. I'm saying I'm apparently the last to know. You are. You are officially the last person to know that. <laughs> that there are no tailgates involved in tailgating anymore. It was it's impressive. So quaint, Liz. That's quaint that you thought that's really how it happened. Okay, so then, and the other thing, of course, because it is USC, I was... I was watching for Aunt Becky. Yeah. You know, I just yeah. wanted to have some kind of like criminal parent activity sighting. But no, apparently she has enough. Um, enough on her plate. Yeah. <laughs> I think the girls dropped out, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah, I think okay. they did. Well, and it's very tempting when you're at that school, which is in the middle of a scandal, to kind of ask the parents how yeah. they feel about that. But I, I did not do that either because that seems unnecessary. It was especially if you were wearing that duck necklace. <laughs> Oh, I can picture okay. of that. Okay, so we got <laughs> that, the... that. That really comes up well on TV screens. The <laughs> okay. okay, carry on, Liz. This so we got, we got yeah. there so early, and we did have the family time, but then the family was going off to their seniors' like sorority house for the, like the pre-functioning. Another thing we don't know anything no, about. No, don't know anything about that. That's a culture, yep. a part of college culture that did not exist. Uh, so we were like, mm, maybe we don't want to do that. But then the game still wasn't for another four hours or some <laughs> ludicrous amount of time. <laughs> so, so we the the beautiful thing that I mean, USC is a beautiful campus, and right next to it is beautiful Exposition Park, which has all these great museums in it, as well as the Memorial Coliseum. So, in Exposition Park is the California Science Museum, which where I had never been. But I, I had always wanted to go there because it has one of the four space shuttles. So we had so much time to kill that my friends and I, we went to the science oh. museum. And that was a real highlight. You know, <laughs> that's the way to tailgate. <laughs> that is pre-gaming. Wow. I've never heard. Woo. Woo. I know. You we're, get it. Yeah. We are losers, right? <laughs> so the as you rem- old people, one of the, t- one of the two. I don't know. It was really interesting, though, Julie, because, you know, they retired the shuttle fleet. There were four shuttles and museums have to had to bid to get the shuttles. Mm-hmm. And so the the Enterprise is at the Intrepid in New York and Discovery is at the National Air and Space Museum in Virginia. Atlantis is at Cape Canaveral. And the Endeavor landed at the California Science Museum because a lot of these crafts were actually built in California. Yes. So, and sort of invented and built in California. So that's the theme of the California exhibit. And I got to say, it was really, really interesting to walk around. And it made me kind of, I'm not like, it's not that I'm nostalgic for the space program, but when you, if you like science and information about science and you, you walk around and you see all the things that got invented for this, and then all of the things, they have a great exhibit of what each space shuttle mission actually accomplished scientifically, 
we we really had a good time. Just us old folks walking around <laughs> wow. the space shuttle. And w- one point they made about the space shuttle, which I, I had never really thought about, but um, makes sense to me now, is that the earlier parts of the space program, so the Mercury astronauts, the Gemini astronauts, the Apollo programs, those were all elite uh, like fighter pilots, right? right? Who got those mm-hmm. gigs? Yes. So, and it was the space shuttle that was really so much more democratic, little d democratic. So, because there were there were hundreds of astronauts, men and women from all over the country, all colors and creeds, because they didn't necessarily they had to have sp- specified uh, expertise, but it wasn't necessarily just being fancy flyers. So you walk around, and they have a board that is the picture of every crew on every space shuttle from the very beginning to the very end. And it's kind of moving just to see the sea of humanity that went up in the space shuttle. So that was kind of cool. It was also very, maybe very sad because at one point, you know, each each mission had its board. And uh, remember when they, well, we all remember when the Challenger blew up, right? But the Columbia. Right. Uh, I'm sure you guys will remember, we were actually live on the air on our ABC radio show. It was a Saturday morning, remember? Right. When the Columbia was lost upon reentry. And I just think of that as like one of the more uh, challenging, difficult days we ever had in the days when we did a live radio show because we were in the United States, Lee, and you and I, right? We yes. were, and we were at this temporary studio down in New Orleans because yes. we were there for some kind of convention. So normally we would be in an ABC News environment and we would understand what the news was, but we we weren't and we didn't. But we knew this was happening and we were live on the air, so we were supposed to talk about it. But, Julie, you know, you were living in Moscow, Russia. Right. So you were seeing things live on the news in Russia that we could not see where we were in this like this weird garage and, studio yes. in a parking so, lot in New Orleans. Yeah. Like, remember that day? That yeah. was just it was a really hard day. That was a really hard day. And Julie, you, I just salute to you. You like kept it together the whole time because you were you were like getting all of the information off the Russian news and then sort of telling us, oh, that was just a super sad day. Right. Right. Um, anyway, so the but the space shuttles, like if you get a chance to go see one, go see it. You know what? I haven't seen it. Now yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Well, here right now, Leanne, they're raising money. So right now it's <laughs> wow. just. She's become quite an advocate now. <laughs> that was quite a football Did game. you pick up a little space shuttle <laughs> necklace? <laughs> or perhaps a pin? <laughs> no, but they had some really good merch in the shop. Yeah. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They had they had some good stuff. They had little backpacks that were like rocket engines with flames coming oh. out the bottom. I thought that would be good for a kid's Halloween costume next yeah. year. I almost bought one, but I was like, I don't know any little kids like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one thing we skipped. I'm just going to say they do, Leon. Uh, I thought of you. They have a flight simulator in the in the music, so you can. Cool. Get, you can, oh. for an extra few bucks, you can get in the flight simulator and like. Uh, experience what it's like to take off. And I just remember getting so nauseous even at the Star Tours ride <laughs> at Disney, Disney World. Yes. Oh, and that Mission to Mars oh. ride. Boo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So none of us got in the simulator. Uh, yeah, but good. If you know anything that w- anyone that would like to simulate uh, take off, you can do that there too. Anyway, it was it was a nice – and then we had the eight-hour football game. So it was a very, <laughs> full day. Just such a full day. Wow. I was, I was exhausted by the time we got home, but but it was fun. 
That's and that's one way to do it, I guess, Liz. Good, yeah. good. Report. Well, because if you, <laughs> everyone just seems to spend about five hours like drinking, drinking. and eating before yeah. the game, yeah. And you know, we if you don't do that, <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure out some other some other way to entertain yourself. So we did. It was great. It was great. That's a good recommendation, though. I kind of forget that it's there, even yes. though I watched it come in on the top of the the seven six seven when right. they flew it into Los Angeles. It flew right over our house because it's near the jet propulsion. Lab. Oh, so yes. they made a point of flying the space shuttle over the NASA JPL site near us because yeah. so much of the work had been done there. Uh, all right, good anyway, tip. So good tip, Liz. Sp- space news. <laughs> okay, you you cool. You girls are kooky. Bacon and museums. What's next? All right, what's next is that we would like to thank a few of our sponsors here at Satellite Sisters. At Satellite Sisters, we love the products from OseaMalibu.com. Don't we, Liz? I mean, love it's them. seaweed infused moisture just coming at us 24 7. I feel like it is a major pillar of my entire wellness program, Leanne, or the Osea products. Anything seaweed infused, that has to be good for you, right? And it feels so good going on and smells so delicious. And they, it really lasts. You know, other moisturizers promise that it's going to work for days. No, the Osea like moisture duo, it is working for days. I it mean, is. it's it incredible. Is. We love the Andaria Algae Body Oil. We talked mm. about that over and over mm. again. We love the Andaria Algae Body Butter. I mean, that is indulgent and buttery rich. Liz, it's clinically proven to hydrate for 72 hours. 72 really? hours, Liz. I love okay. that. Yeah. And then and then what about the anti-aging body balm? Have you tried that? The more balm, the better in my life, I say. (laughs) And the Mega Moisture Duo, you're going to want to check that out. You get the body oil and the body lotion together, and it makes your skin visibly firmer. Oh, that is a dream come true to satellite sisters and misters everywhere, isn't it? This is the time of year to really be thinking about the moisturizing. (laughs) Okay. So we want you to check out all the wonderful products at Osea. Glow from the inside out with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Satellite sisters, misters, misters, you're going to get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com, and Osea is spelled O-S-E-A. OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSisters for 10% off. All right. Uh, oh, we got some news stories now. We got some hard-hitting news stories. <laughs> and we're right, going to hit some, some big, of them back. All right. This is big thoughts, yeah. big thinking here. This is a new study that has come out. It's going to be in Nature magazine. It was done by Harvard Medical School. And here's the headline. Excessive brain activity is linked to a shorter life. Okay. What? That, that is right. Yes. That one key to a longer life is a quieter brain. So this is, so just put down those mahjong tiles, <laughs> stop the crosswords, oh you know, God. puzzles, you know, no more Sudoku. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, that's this, good news. <laughs> this, this was a new study. They looked at the brain tissue of extremely long-lived live people. Uh-huh. Lived people, live people. We don't know. Okay. Yeah. And you know the old motto, use it or lose it. Yeah. Well, maybe that is not true. Because here's what they found, that excessive activity 
could actually be harmful. So it's sort of counterintuitive that if you have a brain that's overactive or, you know, with out of control excitement, that is not good for you at all. Uh, and that may lead to a shorter life. And the older we get, here's what happens that let's say, as you attempt to do a task, those, you say know, fly in a space shuttle, right? <laughs> like, right. Fly or shave your legs what, <laughs> you, or bake an apple tart. Just pick things pick that are hard. <laughs> okay. More regions of your brain are activated. Okay. Until they reach what scientists call the crunch. Okay. And that is when you have mental overload where you are running out of mental resources. Mm-hmm. And this when you overactivate your brain, you're actually, re- you know, reducing your life. So, so how do we know when that crunch is? Is there the cr- any kind well, of... Well, I think it depends for, for everybody. That, obviously, they need to do a lot more studying on this because these, this, this research is sort of very different than that. But, um, you know, and it depends on how difficult the task is or how difficult you perceive the task to be. But as you get older, even simple, simple tasks become more difficult and you get this crunch effect or stacking effect <laughs> where you just where you're just going to blow your brains. You know, you're just going to blow your mind up. This is just the exact opposite of everything we've ever been everything. taught. Though. I know. I know. Everything. So and, it, and this makes me okay. mad. Okay, so I have not read the, you know, we haven't read the details of this. <laughs> so no follow-up questions. No follow-up questions. <laughs> so you want your neurons to be active, which is good, but you don't want them to be too active. So, but where is the line? Where yes. is the line? I mean, how many games of Mahjong can you play? A week? Right, right. Or, how, you know, how many crossword puzzles or, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing to stimulate your brain to keep it, keep it going. So I don't think, I don't think the recommendation from the satellite sisters is to shut down and just no, sit no, there. No, no, But you can see there is some logic to the idea of like not not having, you know, constantly difficult tasks all the time that could, could, all that agitation could, could create additional stress uh, on you physically. Correct. Of course, I'm just thinking of our parents, like, but you know, by the, our dad had Alzheimer's, many of you know. So by the end of his life, like hitting the remote was just, was, <laughs> just, more, was, was just agitation. He had yeah. some so crunching I, going on. I think on. it's there a relative term over yes. what, what constitutes agitation. I should not be laughing, but no. with Alzheimer's, if you don't laugh, you're just going to cry. Yes. So, I mean, all yeah. the times we had to like, he would call the cable guy because he could not get, I know. get right. the remote to work. And yeah. that's, right. so that's a, an extreme. We all have a different or, I mean, it's the reason people meditate is right. the people, reason people do relaxing right. like, things like yoga right. is to clear your mind while you walk, while you hike, yeah. to, to swim, to clear, bake, while you, to clear your mind, you know? Yeah. And so it's just, it's something to consider while you still can consider it, just <laughs> consider it. Take this, take this, uh, okay. take this very serious research uh, under consideration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just, as you describe it, all I can picture is a golden retriever like that. You know, <laughs> you know, you know how they go you know, nuts. They're the just retrievers? excitable. They're just excitable and like, you know. I was like, I guess, yeah. Don't act like a golden retriever. I can, I can see <laughs> why that might be taxing. Okay, but sure, short of that, I feel like. I don't know. I'm mad about this. Just, I'm with you. Yeah, it's not that helpful, really, as a piece of <laughs> advice. 
<laughs> Thank you, Julie. Thank you for You're bringing welcome. us the latest in brain science. All right. I saw a couple of headlines last week that really caught my attention because I spent, you know, like a decade of my life, maybe two, on the sidelines of youth sporting events. Yes. But apparently there is a nationwide refing crunch in America that refs from high school refs all the way down to youth soccer are quitting in droves because it is such a stressful taxing job now because parents, coaches, players are all awful to the refs mm-hmm. on the field. Mm-hmm. And that makes me really sad. Yeah. Have, I, you, have you witnessed that, though? Yeah. You know, my husband ref for many years. Yeah. Uh, he refs soccer. And he had to not just, you know, he went to a real training thing. He and my son and my son's friend, they had a little soccer refing team. They, he would be the center ref, and they were the two ARs, and they did all the training and stuff like that. And he said you just tune it out. Like, soccer fields are big, and you just tune it out, and yeah. he wouldn't listen, and it didn't bother him. But he tunes me out. I was so going to say, see. your husband is excellent. <laughs> He's a In general, that's a, yeah. that's a skill of it. He yeah. is a tuner-outer. Yeah. He feels oh, like 99% of the time he's 100% right. So it's like— <laughs> The idea that he would be wrong, yeah, just doesn't it doesn't no. bother him because he knows he's wrong. Okay, but <laughs> but you but uh, you know there was a recent article in a paper in Iowa that like they're going to have to start rescheduling football games. The great Friday night football tradition in Iowa is ending because they can't get enough refs to staff wow. the games. And they said what happens is it starts at youth sports, like and if the refs at youth sports don't tamp it down. Yeah. It emboldens the parents, the coaches, and the players. And the players, that makes me sad. Yeah. I The crazy parents on the sideline who don't actually know anything about the game or mm-hmm. have never played, like, they're going to yell and scream, but they're not right there with the ref. But I, I feel bad that the ref is getting grief from the players. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. What is wrong with us, Liz? <laughs> Julie, what's wrong that with is, us? That's not right. It's not right. I don't know, because, you know, it's people get involved in youth sports because of the love of the game. Right. And they want to inspire new generation right. to play the game, play it fairly. We need the refs to do that. You know, and obviously they should have, you know, the ultimate respect. But it, it, it is really unfortunate. That's... That's a terrible. You know, I don't know if you have listened. Have you ever listened to Michael Lewis's podcast called Against the Rules? So Michael Lewis. Yes. Yes. So he has a whole episode just about roughing and the cultural change in America that we don't believe in refs anymore. Oh, okay. And he sort of studies the NBA because the NBA has a big problem with that. Right. The star players push back against the refs. So now they have to have the reviews and all of that. My husband can't watch the NBA anymore because they don't call anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like the fact that they don't play by the rules makes him a rule follower like absolutely crazy. So Michael Lewis really digs into that starting with the NBA but then talking about our entire society in general, that we are just not supporting the people that are trying to support the rules. Yeah. And that's one of this very senior ref here in Iowa was quoted in the paper saying, part of the problem is people don't really know the rules of the Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, oh, God bless you. (laughs) Yeah, right. They don't. They think they know the rules, but they don't really know. They don't really know what an offside is in in Mm -hmm. football. They really, you know, don't know what uh, clipping is in in, in football. So uh, so that just makes me it makes me sad because, you know, sports at its best is great. But people should just sit on the sidelines and not say anything. (laughs) Just stop it. 
Well, there was yeah. a lot of yelling right. at the More, football game. Yeah. I, was I mean, I know they have, you know, they send all those notices home to parents about right. good sportsmanship and stuff, but people act out. It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Oh. Okay, refs, we hey, believe in Well, you. maybe they need robots. No, actually not. <laughs> uh, but I, I I saw this story um, by Sue Schellenbarger of the uh, Wall Street Journal. You know, this is the holiday gift season we're, you know, entering into. And this is something that I had not thought about, but I think we should all think about is that the small children, the new generation, this will be the first generation to grow up with robots as peers. Uh, you, uh, Liz, you may not be aware of this. Leanne, you may, I may or may not be aware of this, but there is a booming market for educational tech robot toys targeting uh, children and very, in some cases, very young children. And so this will be the first generation, and, and her article is about how parents really need to draw the boundaries for young children between themselves and technology so that they gain their own confidence and their own ability to control and master machines. That, that they now have, you know, talking dolls, talking robots, talking talking animals, and these these toys claim to be like your child's best friend. Well, if you're a parent, oh. you need to explain to the child that it is not a, a he or a she, it's an it. Uh, or these, you know, they have these robots or dolls that tell you what to wear in the morning. Uh, well, you, you know, you probably, you know, again, this is something that we didn't, we never had, uh, you know, we, we had some, you know, some, some toys that had some interaction, but, but nothing like what they have now, nothing where they're finding that young children are mimicking the speech patterns that they hear on these uh, toys with AI. So one father was reporting how he asked his young four-year-old daughter to, to do something. And she responded, I did not get that. I did not get that, which is what the toy says when the toy doesn't understand what the young girl is saying. That is so creepy. Now I'm creeped out. (laughs) That is. So So despite what you said earlier, I think we should just keep using our own brains. (laughs) I think I'm all in on the human brain. Please, let's just just try to keep our brain sharp. It makes sense, though, Julie, when you think about it, if you address these toys, these gadgets, think about Alexa, all the commercials, like like it's a woman in the room. If people, you're very young and you're just learning what faces are and what humans are, you wouldn't really be able to distinguish that. I just never thought of it as bad in the long run, but you're right. It is kind of... It's it's it's, this, it's a gray area in the long run. Yeah. I mean, it's really important for parents to set boundaries, to use the pronoun it rather than referring to a robot, you know, as either he or she. You know, you can definitely display as a parent positive um, attitudes towards these toys and these robots, but also to encourage the children to explore how the robots are built maybe even take it apart and explain that humans are the ones that build the robots. You have yep. to you have to really guard against these toys that presume too much, such as, as I was saying, claiming to be your child's best friend or telling the child what to wear in the morning. Um, but, you know, because if they don't see that, the, you know, that these are separate from human beings, it can be very confusing and frustrating 
uh, for the child. Uh, I find this so, very upsetting. I find this whole issue very upsetting. Yeah, it is. It's it is. It's just that the younger you are, the more confused you will be about the difference between human and robot skills. That's why you just need to go to a nice science museum and push the buttons <laughs> yeah, and yeah. look at all the humans who built the space shuttle and flew in it. Yeah. I was that thinking space shuttle did not build itself, people. I was thinking the other day how confusing FaceTime must be for little kids. Like it's amazing technology that when your mom and dad is on a business trip yeah. you can see them. But it also I, I just don't understand how they know where they are. <laughs> like, they must think they're in the next room or at the grocery store. Like, I just think it must be even hard to explain FaceTime mm-hmm. to a child. Right. Never, oh, right. okay. Well, Julie, that's they have a lot of piece. toys that where the kids can build their own robots, and these that is helpful because then they can see the d- difference. But it is these, you know, the young children. They're the most vul- vulnerable. Right. Uh, and uh, you can understand how these toys seem fantastic because they talk right. and they can respond and it seems it seems exciting and good. But uh, obviously a word of caution is necessary. Any word on how cats should react to Roombas? Is there any <laughs> any word on that? It's, it's funny uh, because when you were talking about FaceTime, I was thinking I always wonder like dogs in elevators. Yeah. Like, what do they think is happening when they walk into an elevator, the door closes? <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time when, when Hooper and I go out for a walk. Yeah. What does he think is happening? That the door closes and then it opens and we're in a whole different place. Does he understand that? I don't know. So many unanswered <laughs> questions today on this episode of Satellite Sisters. All right. One last news story here. Uh, I would just like to st- extend my condolences to parents around the country who are having the same conversation I had last night with my son about finally making the airline reservations to come home for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. This is a universal issue, Liz, because you have to book those reservations early because sure. they fill up and then they get more and more expensive, but they don't really know what their schedule is that week or they think their classes end Tuesday, but they really end Saturday and then they want to change it and this and that. I see. So mm. this week I, I performed an experiment this year with my younger son. Yes. I let him book his own reservations. Okay. Because I think... So how's that going? I said, well, I think booking airline reservations is an important life skill. I think yeah. that's, that's you know, true. And yeah. so I have booked him in the past, but I'm like, you're ready. You have your own frequent flyer number. You have a credit card. Go for it. Book your own reservations. And last year I gave that task to my older son and he did the classic. He got a really good deal on this. We were flying to Oregon. He was flying to Seattle, meeting up yeah. with his brother. Booked it for the wrong month. Like, <laughs> super cheap because he was flying in the middle of December instead of Thanksgiving weekend. Everybody has to do that once. You do though. it once. You yes. do it once. He'll never do that again, Lee. No, nope. he'll be, never he's do it that again. lesson. Right. Mm-hmm. He, and I made him pay all the changes. It cost him a fortune, but he, he learned his lesson. Yeah. So that was the goal this year. So last night, I it was a double whammy. My son called me, and in the middle of the phone call, he's like, okay, I'm booking my reservations now. I'm like, no. No, don't, don't, don't multitask and both the rest. No. <laughs> but he did it. These he's, younger brains can, they can multitask. He swears he did it. But they, they don't have any crunching going on. <laughs> it's all just, uh, they're able to activate all the areas of their brain. Yeah. yeah. So I did see this story in Money Magazine about the best time to book Thanksgiving and Christmas travel, and it's done. It's over. So oh. if you wait. <laughs> Another useful piece of information from the Satellite Sisters. Just Put it on your calendar next year to book by Wednesday, September 25th. That's oh. when you're supposed to get the best deals. 
Yeah. Oh, there's no college student in the history of the world. No. That has ever booked no. Thanksgiving travel in September. No, but you as a regular civilian, if you're going Thanksgiving or Christmas, do it. They said you can risk it and wait for the last two weeks and see if something opens up and it may be cheaper. Uh-huh. But but you got to get on it by Wednesday, September 25th. Okay. So put that on your calendar for next year. And again, my condolences to all of you having the same conversation with your college, college children. Yeah, you start to complain, oh, I'm on a middle seat. I was like, I, I just don't care. I don't. <laughs> I don't care. You're on your own. That's exactly who should be sitting in a middle seat. Exactly. Good point, Julie. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Stay with us. You're going to Entertaining Sisters is coming up. But first, we want to thank a couple of sponsors here at Satellite Sisters. We're so grateful to have ButcherBox as a sponsor of Satellite Sisters. We're grateful, Liz, because delicious cuts of meat and fish come to our house, to our front door. They're frozen and perfectly proportioned, you know, pieces, and then we could cook them for a delicious dinner. What's not to be grateful for? I know. I know. And the best part is, like, okay, let me use last night as an example. It got to be, like, 5.30. I'd been working in the house all day, hadn't really gotten out, hadn't done any shopping. I'm like, oh, what am I going to have for dinner? And then I opened my freezer drawer, and I had so many excellent butcher box choices. You know, there was a little New York strip there. There were some scallops there. I actually went with the chicken tenders, Liam. I love those chicken tender They're so cuts. delicious. I wouldn't have thought I would ever become a chicken tenders girl. They are so perfect for exactly the kind of night I was having last night. So thank you, ButcherBox, for the convenience. Not just for kids, chicken tenders. They're not, they're just delicious. Yeah, delicious. We are talking about ButcherBox, of course. It's the ultimate convenience. Right to your doorstep, free shipping always, and you can curate those boxes so you get exactly what you want. And of course, it's high quality cuts at an amazing value. And you get these great exclusive member deals. So you never really know what's going to be in my box this month. You get to choose some fun stuff every month. So thank you, ButcherBox, for making our lives more convenient. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering Satellite Sisters listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com sisters and use code sisters to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Butcherbox.com sisters. Use code sisters. Thanks, ButcherBox. All right, now going into entertaining sisters. This is sort of entertainment slash good gift idea. So uh, speaking of Minnesota, you all know what a huge um, Prince fan I have always been mm-hmm. and uh, and remain. So last week I was listening to, uh, to Fresh Air. Terry Gross was interviewing the guy who wrote the new memoir about of Prince. It's called Prince, the Beautiful Ones. And it's so I listened to the interview. I'll put the interview in the show notes if you want to listen to. It's just, you know, it still makes me so sad. Every time I think about the fact that Prince is no longer with us, it makes me sad. But this guy, I'm looking for his name. I have it here somewhere, um, was hired. Prince decided after never wanting to write a memoir, he decided, okay, I guess I should start to think about this. And he started interviewing writers to co-write his memoir. And this guy was like completely unknown. Here I, here I have it. His name is Dan Pipenbring. 
So he was a 29-year-old unknown writer-editor who, so people could audition for the job of co-writing Prince's memoir. So you start to think, what is that job interview like? You know, you're right. like you're going, at one point, going to Paisley Park. Like, how do you actually get the gig working with Prince on his memoir? So he, he describes that there were these late-night phone calls. There was, he had actually had a meeting with Prince at Paisley Park where the room was completely candlelit. He invited him on his Australian tour. And then, you know, the part of every... Uh, job interview process, the private screening of Kung Fu Panda 3. Oh, Oh. (laughs) be prepared. Yes, yes. So you tell people that on Safe for Work that they really need to review that film before. (laughs) So anyway, it's I mean, it's a tragic story because Prince did not live to write the book. But also for this young writer, Dan, he had only been working on it like three months when Prince died. Oh. So he had a series of meetings and phone conversations and but they had Prince had started writing his sections of it. So he had turned in thirty handwritten pages to to the writer. Um, and then then he oh, tragically gosh. died. Oh. So the book that he ended up putting together is a combination of the pages that um, that Prince had already written, mainly about his childhood, which he had never really written about or talked about before, about his mom and dad and their relationship and his relationship with them. Uh, but then Dan also writes an essay, which I have not read yet because I just got the book yesterday, uh, about what it was like for him to work on this project and that whole experience, which you can imagine as a writer would be pretty dramatic. To Plus start- 29 is young. That yes. you, you have missed the Prince heyday. Yes. That is, you know, was, that's, yeah. that's history for him. Yeah. He was a super fan, but you're right. It, right. For him, it was it was history. And uh, so the book includes writing from Dan, writing from Prince, and then loads of just, you know, he got unlimited access to everything at Paisley Park, oh. to all of the archives. So it's pictures of um, of Prince when he was young. It's sort of lyric sheets. It's scraps of paper where he wrote notes to himself. It is really, if you are a Prince fan, as I am, it is super fascinating. Lee and I was showing you when you came in this morning, like one of the original, there's a picture of one of the original Prince billboards along Sunset Boulevard early in his career. Anyway, so I'm just starting to read this now. I recommend it to you if you are a Prince fan as I am or if you have a Prince fan in your life. I think I think this is the way to go. Okay, good recommendation. It's Liz. called "The Beautiful Ones," which of course is a song title, and he picked out that name, Prince himself. Oh, okay. Had decided he wanted oh, the more the more title. It's a good that. title. So anyway, okay. So that's oh, and then the other thing. So uh, here's my other strategy, my entertainment strategy for myself for the next year, because a year from today is our next election. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, America. Good luck with that. The uh, so um, I've decided to implement what I'm calling the High distraction factor television strategy. Okay. (laughs) Which means picking things that are particularly entertaining or lighthearted or just are completely nonsensical. It's like a carbon offset. Really. (laughs) This is what it is. It's it's like an entertainment carbon offset. Because you're still going to be informed, Liz. Yes. You're not checking out. No. 
But you right. just need to offset. I do need to offset yeah. the information. The cleanser. Yeah. yeah. Just exactly. With the pure entertainment. So I need a high distraction factor. And you need things that come in quantity because we have miles to go right. before a yes. year from today. That's a good point. So my number one, I'll, I'll make regular recommendations over the course of next year. We can all chime in. It's like... You know, there's a reason you love watching Fixer Upper, partly because it's no stress. As you said, Julie, about the brain function, like there's nothing happening in Fixer Upper (laughs) that is going to get you to crunch time. There's no, there will be no stacking or crunching during Fixer Upper. That's But plus, you know, there are like 8,000 episodes. Right. So that makes it extra relaxing, I think. That's why you love House Hunters International. True. That's why, anyway, so... So my, yep. so my recommendation for this week is Billy on the Street. If you've ever watched this, oh, my God. I think Billy Eichner is one of the funniest people alive. Yeah, he makes a- me laugh. And so this is a, like a, a game show that he hosts on the streets of New York, uh, running around, just firing pop culture questions at people. And uh, the, the, the part of what makes it funny is he treats these pop culture issues with so much urgency, like it's so important to him. And then most of the New Yorkers he's talking to could not care less. You know, they're just so nonplussed <laughs> by this. Or he does things. There was an episode I was watching. So I, I watched a whole bunch of episodes. It's on night. Netflix now. That's yeah. the news. Yeah. It just landed on Netflix. It's been on YouTube. It's been an online sensation. But now they're all up on Netflix. Oh, my God. Yeah, there are five seasons of it. So he was uh, one of his favorite shows, he said, was where he did the Julia Roberts Obstacle Course, where each of the obstacles is a separate bad thing that happened to Julia in her life. <laughs> so he calls it Julia Robstacle, and he has Rachel Dratch running through Julia Roberts. Anyway, it's so insanely silly, it is. the whole thing. So in your high distraction factor choice list, I put this very high. Now, there is some bad language, so if that's not your thing, you're not going to love this. But I love it, and I'm sad that there are only 54 total episodes <laughs> Because I got through about 10 of them the other other night. Anyway, it's uh, Billy on the Street. You can find it on YouTube and on Netflix. And he does does things, Julie, like he just runs up to you and he's like waving a dollar in your face. He's like, okay, for a dollar, for a dollar, uh, name 10 white people. And and people can't because it's like he treats it with all this faux urgency. So it's uh, just you're crying with laughter. It's just a relief. Yeah. Because it's so ridiculously insane. Yeah. So there you go. Billy on the street. My recommendation. Good one, Liz. Okay. Well, I have sisters. I have an excellent diversionary activity for you as well. I think this could be time well spent, which is get involved with a TV show fan outrage situation. Okay, (laughs) here's what I'm talking about. I just started to watch the second season of Jack Ryan, and there is a fan outrage going on about the second season. And here's what the details are. That Jack Ryan in the first series, the first season, he had a wonderful girlfriend named Kathy Mueller. Okay, we loved her. She was a doctor. (laughs) She was specializing in infectious diseases. She was an excellent match for, uh, for, for Jack Ryan. She was smart. She was sassy. She was, you know, she was his equal. She was good looking, but she didn't, she wasn't, you know, sort of weirdly beautiful or anything like that. Okay, season two, she's not there. And guess what? The fans are outraged. So I, you can see that. 
They yeah. just, yes. they haven't referenced her. Like they just are not mentioning her. Mm. And she was the girlfriend. All the other characters are back, but the girlfriend's not there. Okay, that's not right, Julie. No wonder you See, were outraged. Okay, fan outrage. So I think this is time well spent crawling around on the internet trying to find out what's happening to Kathy Mueller. <laughs> Why is she not in season two? That okay. sounds like a major time yes. killer. That yeah. okay. is good. There you go. Okay, that can that can, everybody can get on board with that. Uh, so as you start to watch season two of Jack Ryan, which just dropped this past weekend, um, you may be asking those questions. Be sure to get on those message boards. Be sure to <laughs> get on to, Reddit. You, know, you should get yeah. on Reddit, Julie. You'll never come up for air. Oh, they have a yeah. conspiracy <laughs> theory for everything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe okay, that's the secret for the next year. Okay. But yes, it. Liz, I, I, I agree. Diversionary <laughs> tactics. That's what we need. Okay. All right. And that's Something on Amazon is, Prime. Just to, that is, that yes. is on Amazon Prime. Find that show on uh, Amazon Prime. At, yes. It's, um, so um, it's, it, the season two is good, but that's the big looming question. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's a recommendation, I think, for you. They have a new, it's news. They have a new edition of Joy of Cooking is coming out. This is the ninth edition, okay? It started in 1931, and it has been revised pretty much every decade since then. So this new edition that is coming out this year, this is the first revision since 2006, was edited by the grandson and the wife of the original author. So that's kind of nice. They've got 600 new recipes. They've got a lot more international recipes, Korean, Thai, African, Caribbean, Filipino, um, even stuff from the Northwest, Leon. So if oh, you're great. Yeah. Wow. But, and the, the article I read said that young cooks still value cookbooks as physical objects, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I didn't surprises think me. anyone mm-hmm. would buy the big encyclopedia of the joy of cooking. Do you think? I, those, it, books like, you know, Mark Bit, Bittman's How to Cook Everything, those actually sell. So I think it is actually the encyclopedias that sell, like the complete oh. guides. And then for one-off recipes, people look online. But no, I, I think people, I think, again, I think the younger generation is interested in cooking and quality right. foods and yes. they're looking for recipes and maybe they grew up in a house where they didn't learn to cook. So they actually need the skills. So yeah. In addition to watching the YouTube for everything, I think they're going to actually read the cookbooks. Mm-hmm. So, and they're good recipes in yeah. there. They always presume that the cook is going to fiddle with the recipe, add a little more lemon, salt, whatever. They even have tips for this Thanksgiving um, because they believe most people cannot be bothered to brine the turkey. Uh, so they go with the low prep approach, Leanne, yeah. which is 24 hours in the fridge uh, with a dusting of salt. salt. That's what you should do with your turkey to kind of dry it know, out, crisp up the skin, and then you bake well, it at 425 enough. degrees. Yep. I could do that. It's so. a big chicken. People <laughs> need with the turkey. They need to calm down. Okay. It's a right. big chicken. <laughs> it's a big chicken, Tom, it's a Chef okay, Tom That's Calicchio. exactly how I cook a chicken. Yeah. I let it, I put it low. So might be trying that joy of cooking. I still have my, my joy of cooking that I got when as a wedding gift. Oh. Uh, and yeah. So that's neat. I, I, it, I have a lot of, you know, 
a lot of favorite recipes in there. So uh, just mentioning that's coming out, the new joy of cooking. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys are getting a head start on the gift season, the Prince book and joy of cooking mm-hmm. and all the satellites and sisters all the merch. Yeah. And people are done. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. They're and done. We got you covered. All right. Excellent. Uh, okay, we're wrapping up here at Satellite Sisters. Uh, we would like to thank our sponsors, as always, and we'd like to thank you for supporting the people that support us. That's mm-hmm. a really key part of the what is it? How this the all feedback works. loop. The, the what, Liz? What the do they ecosystem? call it? The marketing. I yes. don't know, Liz. Uh-huh. You tell me. Thanks to Sergio Enriquez, who always makes us sound great, and everybody here at Wondery, we appreciate their support. Uh, anyone have anything big on their to-do list this week? What's I, happening? I, I do. I, this, uh, I'm preparing. I'm going to be giving a speech to the Philanthropic Educational Organization, also known as PEO. And this is a great organization started in the Midwest for women helping other women to reach for the stars, and I, which I like so that they are involved in you know lifting women up. And they say in their materials that friendship is the cornerstone of their organization. Oh, you're going to kill that. You're going to kill this speech. Isn't that going to be great? So it's all about the sisterhood, and I am looking forward to being with the women of PEO, here, the chapter here in Dallas. Yep. Great, Julie, fantastic. Liz, anything? Well, Leon, I've decided I think I'm going to pull the trigger on replacing all the carpeting in my condo. It's it's a little bit trashed, and it's old, and it's, you know, I... I put in some poor quality carpet. Yeah. I, I just have to admit, yeah, yeah, you do pay for that. So, but it's risky because part of the reason I'm doing it now is now that Hooper has graduated from obedience school, <laughs> I'm just assuming we're going to have no more issues regarding the carpet. Mm. So anyway, so that's what, so I have the carpet samples now. If you stopped by my place, you'd see the carpet samples laying all over the floor. And uh, I think it's, it's part of my punch list for between now and the end of the year. I think I'm just going to do it. I hate looking at a trashed carpet. It looks, yeah. It just, yeah. It bums you out every time you walk in the door. And when you get the new carpet, it's so fresh. You just can't believe it. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, this makes the whole place look better. Yes. So that's what I'm going to do. Well, Liz, I wish you luck. Because <laughs> carpets are like mattresses. You walk in, you're like, they're all slightly, the prices are slightly different. And yeah. the names are slightly off. And you can't really compare. And you just mm-hmm. don't know what you're doing. So go Plus, with your gut, you know, Liz. Good luck with that, Liz. Yeah. I have a two-bedroom condo. and it's So it's sort of an all-or-nothing-at-all situation. Right. And I live in the building. The HOA rules are when you're in the upstairs. In the upstairs, you have to carpet everything. Yeah. You can't have oh. any uh, oh. any bare floors. So, like, if I'm going to carpet anything, I have to carpet everything. So that's a little annoying because whatever. I anyway. believe in you, Liz. Okay. You can you can do. <laughs> don't don't, don't do spend any time. Don't spend any time there, Liz. Just go. Just <laughs> lay the carpet. <laughs> I believe in you. All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, if you like the show, feel free to rate and review. Yes. If you don't like the show, it's been great having you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> And really, the best thing you can do for us is to recommend to your friends and teach them how to listen to a podcast. Just grab their phone out of their hands, show them how to do it. Like, it's a word-of-mouth operation here, people. Yeah, there's a lot of gatherings over the next couple months. You could really convert a lot of people. You could. If you have a big family or holiday parties, workplace. Oh, yeah, a lot happening. Your your gift to us. Thanks. (laughs) All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sisters.